You know, sometimes we can come into church and almost feel worse about ourselves than before we came in. And you might be here today carrying some shame, even just from the week. But I want you to know that this is a place where there is grace for you. God doesn't condemn you. In fact, what God does, he, he confronts you. Here's what I want to say about that. He, he doesn't, there's some areas of your life that God may want to speak to, that he may want to change. But he doesn't try to change you by making you feel worthless. What he does is he shows you those places in your life that he wants to change. Just quite the opposite, he shows you how valuable you are. He shows you why your life matters. And in that process, he gives you his Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, to enable you, give you the power and strength to change. That's what God does. And, you know, it's that idea. I've always tried to model that in my preaching and lead our church this way, where I don't just want to show you what to do without giving you the tools of how to do it. And that's what we're doing in our series the art of being blessable. Now, if you missed last week, I really want to encourage you to go check that out because in that message, I, I laid the foundation for what we're talking about. And I don't want you to get the wrong idea of what this message is about because this series is not about how to get stuff from God. This series is not about how to manipulate a miracle. No, what we're talking about, I could have just as easily called this series, How to Live Like a Christian. Because we're looking at the things in Scripture that please God. And here's the truth. Anytime you live your life in a way that is pleasing to God, God's blessings follow. So we're talking about what it means to, to live in a way that's pleasing to God. And, and last week, we talked about what the blessing of God is. And I won't go into all of that. But the point I want to bring up isn't that is God going to bless you or is God a blesser or is he a good God? The question isn't, does God want to bless you? The real question is, are you blessable? Is your life one such that God can bless? And this isn't a salvation issue. Our salvation is secure. Our, we're not saved because of our works. We're not saved because we earned it. We're not saved because of our goodness or what we did. We're saved because of God's goodness and what Jesus did. But there's some things that we can do. The, the point is our actions matter. And that's where we focused our attention last week. We focused on our actions. Today, I want to talk about our attitude, our attitude, because you can have the right actions and still have the wrong attitude. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like sometimes with my kids, you know, my kids will, I've got four children and, and sometimes they'll be picking on each other. Sometimes we'll get in a fight. Sometimes it'll get crazy. And, you know, when we break it up, we always make them apologize. We always make them say, I'm sorry. We always make them ask each other for forgiveness and say, I forgive you. And in the process, you know, they'll go along with the actions they might say, I'm sorry, but their eyes say, I'm about to sucker punch you. And, uh, you know, you can have the right actions, but the wrong attitude. But if you have the right attitude, you will have the right actions. And so I want to talk about our attitude. And, and the characteristic that we're going to look at today is this attitude of honor. Now, there's a lot of scripture I'm going to give you to, to present this to you today, but I want to uses a, a framing for our message, a passage of scripture in Mark chapter six. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can find your way there. And I always encourage people to look up scripture for themselves. If you have a smartphone, you can download the Bible app and follow along that way. It's a great way to engage with God's word, but we'll put the words on the screen so we can all follow along together. I'm reading from the NIV translation today. And there's different translations you can use. Sometimes people ask me, well, what's the best translation of the Bible? The best translation is the one that you understand. So just find one that you understand and read that one. But this is from the NIV today. 
And in Mark chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Jesus left there and he went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that's been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. They started out amazed, but now they're annoyed. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except he lay his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. I want to use this text today to talk to you about common problems. Common problems. That's the title of this message if you're taking notes. And it's always our custom to pray before we get into the preaching of God's word. So I want to pray one more time and ask for God's help. I know that I need God's help and I have a hunch that you might need God's help too. So would you just bow your head with me one more time? God, we thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that your word speaks to us where we're at. And I'm asking God that you would use me today. Nobody needs to hear my ideas or opinions, but all of us need to have your perspective. So God, give us your perspective. Speak to us. We welcome you. And everybody says, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm curious, for those of you in the room, how many of you would consider yourself a bargain shopper? Bargain shop? Anybody bargain shopper? A few hands. You notice my wife's hand is not up. She's not a bargain shopper. She's just a shopper. Um, let, me fr- let me reframe this. Uh, how many of you like to get a good deal? Anybody like to get, like all of us like to get a good deal. Some of you don't like to get, a, I'm going to sell you something, all right? I will give you the worst deal. Um, we all like to get good deals, whatever it is that you like to buy. I mean, whether you're looking to buy clothing or maybe you're looking to buy real estate, all of us like to get a good deal on stuff. I told you my wife is not a bargain shopper. She's a, she's a shopper. She tried to convince me at one point that she was a bargain shopper. Like it used to be early on in our, our marriage, like she would get these, these uh, you know, coupons and things and, and she'd get, it was called Kohl's Cash. And she'd, she'd tell me, it's like, they are paying me to shop at the store. I would say, I, I don't understand, because every time you say they're paying you, it costs me. So I don't, I don't get it. But now it's moved on from, now it's Target. Target is a thing. She's like, did, she told me the other day, she's like, do you know, you can give them your phone number, and they give you points. It is like money. I've got 80 bucks at Target. And I was like, how much did you have to spend to get that 80 bucks? But my point is, we all love a bargain. We all love a good deal. And you know, in the same way, part of getting a bargain, part of getting a deal is, is being able to see the value of something, being able to see it for, for what it is, not what the price is, but the actual value of what it is. And I bring that up because honor is very much the same way. To really be good at honor, you have to see value that others often miss. And I know honor is kind of a strange word. Uh, it's not a word that we use often, like in our vernacular, we don't usually use honor as a verb. We use it as a noun. We say like, this is an honor, or I received an honor. But we don't use it as a verb, like to honor somebody. But through the Bible, when you, when you see this phrase, like honor, and we're going to look at a bunch of scriptures that talk about it. Honor, the best way I can explain it to you, describe it, is when you honor something, you value it. 
when you honor someone, you value them. And the Bible's filled with all sorts of scriptures that talk about honor. I mean, we could look at over a hundred of them easily that talk about the importance of honor, but we're not going to do that. I, I just wrote down a few that I want to look at with you together to kind of build this foundation of what it means to honor, specifically honor people. Um, in the book of Romans, where I want to start, Romans was a letter written by Paul to a church. And the whole reason Paul is writing this letter is because this church has some disagreement. This church is fighting. They've got some political disagreements. They've got some spiritual disagreements. They've got some relational disagreements. They're disagreeing with each other, and it's created a pretty big divide in the church. And so Paul pens this letter. It's a great theological letter. And the whole premise of the letter is to bring some unity to this divide. And in the heart of the letter, he says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. It's like, hey, you guys are fighting. Here's what I want to tell you. Love one another deeply. Honor others more than yourselves. In other words, value others more than yourselves. You're, you're, you're placing way too much priority on your preferences, on your opinions. I want you to value others. There's another letter that he wrote to Timothy. Timothy was Paul's protege. He was a young pastor. He was leading churches. And because he's kind of young, he doesn't have all the experience and wisdom Paul has. So Paul writes him this letter to to give him some instruction on how to lead the church well. And he says, this is how you need to instruct people um, in their relationships. And he talks about family relationships. He talks about married relationships. He talks about work relationships. In 1 Timothy 6.1, he says this, instruct every employee to respect and honor their employers. For this attitude presents to them a clear testimony of God's truth and renown. Tell them to never provide them with a reason to discredit God's name because of their actions. That was kind of interesting because Paul's saying, hey, at work, your attitude matters. It's not enough to simply just operate with integrity. Most of us, we think that way. Like, okay, when I'm, when I'm at work, I'm going to be a person of integrity. I'm going to do the right things. But he says, yes, operate with integrity, but also be a person of honor. Be, be a person who values your employer. You don't, don't just like, you know, run them into the ground and talk about how, you know, management doesn't understand. No, like, like be a person, be a person of honor. Uh, another guy you might be familiar with was Peter. Peter was one of Jesus' disciples. Uh, Peter also wrote some letters to the church, and he was speaking specifically to some marriage relationships. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, he says this, In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Value them. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. I'll give you two more. Uh, just back to Romans, because Paul was, I told you there were some government disputes. He says, hey, give to everyone what you owe them. Do you owe taxes? Then pay it. Do you owe anything else to the government? Pay that too. <laughs> so I'm going to leave it at taxes. Do you owe respect? Then give it. Do you owe honor? Then show it. Show it. He's just saying, hey, you're, you're, you should honor those who are in authority over you. I'm not saying this isn't an authority topic. I'm not saying there's never bad authority. In fact, when Paul was writing this, uh, Nero was the governor of Rome, and he was, a, he, he was, he was burning Christians. He says, hey, I, I want you to pay honor to the leaders. So he says, if you're a student, honor your teacher. If you're an athlete, honor your coach. If you're an employee, honor 
your boss, if you're a child, honor your parents. In fact, Paul later specifically mentioned this in Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 2, he says, honor your father and mother. He's actually referencing the Ten Commandments, kind of those big commandments we're familiar with. He says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. In other words, I'm looking at all these scriptures, and we could look at a bunch more, but, but the point I'm trying to make is that in our relationships, honor matters. Honor matters in every relationship. There's others that say, honor everyone. <laughs> There's a verse that says that. Our, in our relationships, honor matters. Now, you might think, well, why does, why does honor matter so much? Well, the reason honor matters is because it honors God when we honor others. That's the first thing you have to know. That really, when we're trying to value people, trying to honor them, not doing it so much just for them, but we're really doing it as an expression of love to God, as a way that we honor God. What's funny to me, though, in this verse, and I saved it for the last one, where Paul's writing, he says, honor your father and mother, is lots of us can think of many good reasons why we shouldn't honor people. Like, does anybody here have perfect parents? Like, your parents are perfect? Nobody? I mean, they might be good, but nobody has, like, perfect parents, right? In fact, some of us have had some really bad parent figures in our life. And it's like, man, honor them? Honor them? It's, it's interesting to me that he says honor, because no, nobody has had perfect parents. They don't exist. If you're a parent, you're not perfect. And if you have kids that one day become a parent, they're not going to be perfect. Like, nobody... Every parent is flawed. And God, knowing this, because we live in a broken world, he says, I want you to honor them anyway. Why is this so important? What's interesting to me is he says this is the first commandment with a promise. If you think back to the Ten Commandments, all that list that Moses had on Mount Sinai, and he comes down, and it was that list of thou shalt not. See, whenever you quote the Ten Commandments, you have to use the King James, the thou shalt not. You know, the, thou shalt not have any gods before me. You know, thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not cover. All these thou shalt nots. And then there's this one, honor your father and mother. And with all the commandments, this one, he says it's the first commandment with the promise. The first commandment with a blessing so that when you honor it's going to go well with you when you honor you're speaking to the israelites who are about to go into the promised land you're going to live a long time in the land that i've promised you in the place that i have for you honor is important because it brings a blessing paul says it's the first commandment with a blessing and there's many things we're supposed to honor beyond just people god talks about honoring the sabbath he talks about honoring marriage. He talks about honoring the commitment to gathering, that that's something that you should honor. So a lot of things we should honor. Sadly, though, in our culture, it's almost become popular to dishonor. What I mean by that is like, if you want to get a little clout, just tear somebody down. If you want to build a platform you can build it through criticism. Like you can build a platform just by knowing what you're critical of. I'll tell you a little um, 
secret little confession to make, which, which by the way, uh, how about Jayhawks last night? Isn't that awesome? It's great. I was like, man, there's going to be revival in church tomorrow. God is moving in our city. <laughs> so um, somebody asked me, why are you wearing Texas colors? It is the hide of our opponents, okay? That's <laughs> celebrating. But uh, <laughs> so congratulations to our football team. That was amazing. So a little confession. Uh, like when I, whenever I watch college sports, particularly like Jayhawk sports, basketball, football. I always like to look at the Twitter feed while I'm watching the game. I don't recommend this, by the way, okay? <laughs> this is not edifying for your soul. I think I do. It makes me feel better about myself, to tell you the truth. But I, uh, I'm always like, I'm, I'm kind of like watching the game and watching Twitter feed, watching what people are saying. And some people, their whole platform is dedicated to criticism, dedicated to condemnation, dedicated to shame, to insult, nothing good to say. That's, that's the entire platform. It, it's become almost popular to dishonor. But honor is important to the heart of God. If you want to live in a way that, that pleases God, if you want to live a life that God can bless, what you need to understand is that honor is important to the heart of God. Because while obedience brings blessing, a lack of honor will limit what God can do. You see this in Mark chapter 6. Jesus, he's returning to his hometown, and uh, his hometown is Nazareth. Now, Nazareth is not his birthplace, right? We all know Jesus, born in Bethlehem. We're going to hear about that in a few weeks around Christmas time. But his hometown is Nazareth. It's where he grew up. And about this point in Mark chapter 6, Jesus has launched his ministry. He's been in a place called Capernaum. Capernaum is a strategic place for Jesus' ministry because it was along a trade route, this road that many people would pass. So as people were, were traveling to Jerusalem and other significant cities, they'd have to stop over in Capernaum. And so it was this place where all of these people from different parts of the world would actually stop in. He starts his, he, he does ministry there for a year, and he's been doing all sorts of things, working all sorts of miracles. He's been teaching people, healing people, opening blind eyes, opening deaf ears, raises a girl from the dead, turns water into wine. He uh, multiplies loaves and fish. He, he does all these miracles, and after about a year of this, he decides to head back to his hometown. But when he gets back, he's not able to do everything that he wants to do. And I know that seems crazy to say that there was something God wanted to do that he couldn't do, but that's what the scripture says. In verse 5 of Mark chapter 6, let's look at it with me, it says, he could not, say could not, could not, he could not do any miracle. Not that he didn't want to, he couldn't, except he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. There was something he wanted to do for the people that he couldn't do for the people because of an attitude within the people. What was the attitude? Here it is. He's nothing special. He's, he's nothing special. 
They had grown up with him, and it's hard to appreciate something that you've become accustomed to. It's hard to see him as the Messiah when they're friends with his mom. They, they, they couldn't see him as the Christ because they had him as their classmate. And it says that they started tripping. Literally, it's what it, they started tripping. It says they, they took offense. They were offended. That's what offended means. The, the, the word in, in the Greek, it's this word where we get our word scandal from. It means to trip up. It, it means to stumble. It means to have your way blocked or impeded. There was something that they couldn't get past. They couldn't get past his past, their past with him. They couldn't get past how they used to know him. And it's crazy because like, this doesn't really make sense to me. Because if I was Jesus and I was back in my hometown and I want to do some miracles and I, I, I do a few, but people don't believe, like they don't respect me, don't really think I am who I say I am. Like I would do more miracles. I would like, I'm gonna prove it to you. You don't believe, like let me show you everything I can do. But Jesus says, no, if, if the attitude's not right, it doesn't matter what I do. I, I can't do enough for them to actually believe and receive from me. And he says this, he says, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. Because to his hometown, he's just a carpenter. He, he made that table. To his hometown, he's family. We got his sisters and brothers here with us. Understand, that's not how everybody saw him. I mean, in Capernaum, he couldn't get away from people. You read sometimes where he would have to like seclude himself because everybody wanted to be around him at every moment. People wanted to receive from his ministry. People wanted to experience the blessings of following him. People wanted what he had to offer. And some people hated him, of course. But in Nazareth, the place where he grew up, their attitude was he's nothing special. Can you imagine that? Like, I know a lot of people have different ideas and opinions about Jesus. But we think of people who, like, were after him. And we think people who didn't like him. We think people have this idea. You're nothing special. Nothing special. Just ordinary. Just common. And the moment you categorize something as common that's supposed to be special, you limit what God can do. Here's what I want to tell you. That honor starts where ordinary stops. Honor starts where ordinary stops. That's really the heart of this message. That how you value something is determined by how you see it. And if you see it as common, you're going to treat it as common. And that's all the value that you will ever get from it. So I have this little illustration I want to show you because um, I was thinking, you know, it's football Sunday. Chiefs are playing today. And um, I got this Mahomes jersey. Yeah, like, I don't know. We got any Mahomes fans in here? A few? All right. See what God is doing for the Jayhawks. We need to pray for Mahomes a little bit. Um, got some Mahomes jersey. This is a nice jersey. And uh, I don't know. Like, 
you know, maybe if you're not a Mahomes fan, you really don't think much about it. It's like, yeah, it's a shirt. I mean, I could, I don't have a red shirt. I, I, I could take a red shirt. Um, you know, maybe if you're like going to a game or something and you don't have a jersey, you're like, yeah, I would take that. Like, it's worth, in fact, is this worth anything to anybody? Like, worth a little bit? Anybody, how many of you pay $5 for this? $5? Yeah, five? Okay. $10? Anybody pay $10? Oh, keep going. 20? Anybody pay 20? Do I hear 30? 30? 40? It's not mine. I'm not going to sell it, but of course, I don't, we'll see how much we get. We do have a vision offering coming up next week, so do I hear 50? No, really, how much, what do you think? I, I think somebody said 100 in the first service. They'd pay 100. I, I almost sold right then and there. Uh, I think maybe for me, I would say like, like 50. I think, you know, I think probably, probably get something comparable for 50. It's a nice jersey. It, it, it's, you know, if you're a Mahomes fan, it might be worth a little more. I, I've got another one of these jerseys, though, that I want to show you. Um, this jersey that I got, just a, it, it's, it's actually the, the exact same jersey. Um, so this jersey here, how many of you pay 100 bucks for this one? Some of you? Some of you? Um, this one here, it's the exact, literally the exact same jersey. Would you pay 500 for that one? Some of you? <laughs> this, it's the exact same jersey. I, I mean, I guess there's one difference. The, the, the one difference between this jersey and, and this one this one is actually signed by Patrick Mahomes. So it's funny, though, how some of you, maybe, maybe it'd be a stretch to pay 100 for this one. I think somebody offered like 3,000 for this in the first service. So I was really close. Stop. I was going to just do it and ask for forgiveness, but... I wonder, though, it's the exact same jersey, except it's got a signature on it. And I wonder if maybe we've been calling some things common, we've been calling some things ordinary that God wants us to honor. One is ordinary, one is special. I wonder if we've been calling some things common that we should actually celebrate. Now, in one way, like, when you say something's common, or when people call you common, it's almost a compliment. Because when you call somebody common, it's a compliment to their consistency. This is why your kids never say thank you. Because they always eat, right? Like, they're, they're never like, Wow, thank you so much for this meal, Mom and Dad. No, they like, it's always there. They've never had to go hungry, so they're not going to tell you thank you. In, in fact, like, it's not a compliment if I say to my kids, thank you for behaving at that restaurant. That's not a compliment. What that is is I am amazed <laughs> that you did not embarrass me by your wild and obnoxious behavior. <laughs> That's what that means. If Marissa says to me, thank you for picking up your shoes, that's not a compliment. <laughs> what she means is, I cannot believe that for once, I did not have to pick up after you. So, when, 
when you call something common, it, it, it's almost a compliment. Like, in fact, you'll really know when you're good at something when people stop giving you strokes for it because they've just come to expect that from you. But I want to tell you, honor starts where ordinary stops. If, if you want to show honor, just stop treating something as ordinary. That's why actually I, I teach my kids, I was joking about it, but we actually teach them in our home, after every meal, you tell your mom, thank you. When, when she makes a meal and we're at home, you tell your mom, thank you for dinner. She made it. When we go out to eat and I buy it, she's like, you tell your dad, thank you. Like, wouldn't they say thank you? Anyway, no, it's common. We actually go out <laughs> to eat a lot, but she's tell your dad, thank you. If you want to show honor, just stop treating something as ordinary. Just think, hey, what's the, what's the norm? What's the status quo? What's to be expected? Okay, how do I go beyond that? Just one step beyond that. I just want to show some honor. And while it might be a compliment to someone's consistency, if you call it common, call them common, it's actually a problem for you. Because what you call common will eventually be taken away. That's what we see here. Jesus wanted to do some work. He wanted to work some miracles. But he couldn't. Because to them, he was just, just the carpenter. He hadn't lost any power. He has the same power that raised a 12-year-old girl from dead. The same power that opened blind eyes. The same power that turned water to wine. He has the same power. He hasn't lost the power. They just lost their appreciation. They lost their appreciation. And any time you don't value something that God has given you as a gift, you limit the potential for the power of that to be released in your life. So here's what you got to understand about honor is that that's what honor does. When we honor something, we don't just give that value, give that person value. When we honor something or someone, honor doesn't just value them, it enriches us. It enriches us. Now, this is counterintuitive to our culture because remember I said like giving honor is, is giving value. Well, whenever you honor someone, you're, you're putting value on them, you're placing value on them. And we live in a culture that thinks to value one thing automatically means you diminish another. Like, like you can't celebrate something w without denigrating something else. It's like if you say, man, I, I really love oranges. Well, why do you hate apples so much? What, what is wrong with you? What about watermelons? Those are good. Why, why do you got to be, you know, why do you got to be like that? Now you're laughing, but this is true. I'll never forget a few years back, we did, a, we did a, something called Velocity Date Night. It was just for married couples. We wanted to do something special for married couples. We, we had this nice dinner. You had to reserve tickets, buy tickets. We had this nice dinner. We brought in a comedian. My wife and I, we did some teaching on, on marriage. And it was, you had to be married. Had to be, not dating, married. And somebody emailed me. It's like, I cannot believe you are doing something just for married people. What's wrong with single people? You know, Jesus was single. Jesus couldn't come to your event. You know, why, why do you hate single people so much? You're left. This is true. I am not making this up. But see, if we're not careful, this seeps into our psyche. 
where we think to value somebody else diminishes me. If I underscore you, it's going to undermine me. But in God's economy, the more value you give to others, the more it enriches you. Now, let's look at our texting because they want to do the opposite. They, they looked for the lowest common denominator to bring Jesus down to. Isn't that Mary's son? Isn't he a carpenter? Aren't his sisters here? What, don't we know him? Isn't he from here? They didn't deny his power. They didn't deny his miracles. They didn't deny his wisdom. They didn't doubt it. They just discounted it. And what Mark 6 shows us is that whenever you treat something as common, it'll always keep you crippled. I wonder if that's happened to any of us. Where instead of seeing the value in someone, we look to reduce what's special about them to try to satisfy an insecurity within us. It's a common problem. They couldn't receive what God wanted to give them because they couldn't appreciate who was in front of them. And truthfully, that's what honor is. Honor is a demonstration of appreciation. Maybe that's why whenever something grows in value, we call it appreciation. In fact, I was thinking about this, that what's true for your home, what's true for your investments, what's true for any assets that you have, is true for every relationship that God has put into your life. It only becomes more valuable to you with appreciation. You want to honor somebody? Appreciate them. Just go beyond what's ordinary. Just, just appreciate them. Because how you honor people is a picture of how you honor God. And how you honor God determines how God can bless you. I was thinking of this, this signed Mahomes jersey. And it's actually a great picture of how we can honor people in our lives. Because first of all, you got to find the value in it. You got to find its greatest value. Because I mean, you could look at it, it's like, well, you know, it's a shirt, it's red, you know, I could use it as a dish rag, or I could use it as a shirt. Or it's like, oh, wait, 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 there's something valuable here. Okay, I know what this is worth now. Got to view it with value. After, after you view it with value, I liked how this is in a protective case. Actually, when I went to pick it up, uh, we wrapped it in a blanket and put it in my car because I didn't want it to get scratched or, or damaged. And I was saying, you know, that's what we need to do with the relationships that we want to honor. We want to protect them. We've got to handle them with care. We've got to be careful, not, not just to let anything come in and, and damage it or get in the way, or, but, but be careful with that, this, this relationship. But even this, like, you know, this isn't just going in somebody's closet. This is meant to be displayed. If you want to honor somebody, you got to show it. You got to show, you got to show your appreciation. You know, in some ways, that's what we get to do next week with our vision offering. These little envelopes here, you can grab on your way out. Next week is our vision offering. It's our opportunity to show appreciation to God. And I think really giving is showing, yeah, in fact, your money is one of the supreme ways you can honor God because nothing represents your life more than your money. 
represents your energy, your talent, your gifts, your time. Maybe that's why God said in Proverbs, honor the Lord with your wealth. Most places it talks about honoring others, but it says you wanna honor the Lord, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first and best part of all your income. Then your barns will be full and your vats will overflow with fresh wine. See, there's always a blessing on honor. Whenever we make a decision, we're gonna give value to people, to the things that God values. We're gonna honor God by honoring others. There's always a blessing that comes around on honor. You might be here and you might think, yeah, pastor, that's great, but honestly, I just, I don't feel that valuable. In fact, I feel a little worthless because I kind of know what I did this week and I'm very proud of that and I'm pretty sure God's not proud of that either. Just going back to this, you know what the difference is between this one and this one? The only difference, what makes this one so valuable? It's got a name on it. You might feel like you're worthless, but when you place your faith in Christ, he puts his name on you. You are supremely valuable to God. He loves you so much. You are so valuable that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. And so you might be here and think, I know I don't feel it. Maybe what you need to do is give your life to God today. Receive him as Lord. Make a fresh start. How do I do that? Well, scripture says, when you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins, that thing that you're ashamed about, he died for that.